Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Your hosts here, Devin Ublin and Ronnie Flores. It's Monday, April 15th, and you know what that means, Ronnie? The IRS and the tax man are after everybody. Hopefully you guys got your taxes filed soon, filed early and, you know, made some money, got some money back in the bank for me and potentially Ronnie. There is money um, coming out of my bank account going straight to the government. But what am I going to do? Nothing except pay it. Ronnie, yeah. how are you feeling on tax day, my friend? Yeah, you can't uh, do much, Devin, <laughs> uh, in terms of... You know what? What can you do? Because I mean, if you, I think that's a big thing people are missing about all this basketball mumble jumble, Avenatti and the Nike is. We're going we're to jump all, into that yeah, quickly. Well, we, we see all the, we see all these things about why is this happening. Well, people forget if a hundred thousand dollars is changing hands here, supposedly fifty thousand dollars changing hands here. Like the government wants. They're coming choose. for you. They're coming for you. Yeah, they're gonna want. No matter that. what you do, I, they're coming for you. Yeah, they're 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 coming. You know who they're coming for now? Who are they coming Tiger for? Woods. Wow. Tiger Woods won his fifth Masters, um, first major title since 2008, first Masters since 2005, um, finished 13 under par, was one ahead of a handful of other uh, other golfers. Um, and, you know, it, it was, uh, we didn't, I didn't get to see it live because I was, in the, we'll talk about this later, but I was in the gym watching some Adidas uh, basketball. Um but at 43 years old, Tiger Woods became the second oldest player to win a Masters behind Jack Nicholas, who did it at 46 years old in 1986. Am I right, Ronnie? Yes. Um, um, a lot of people are calling this the the greatest sports comeback of all time. I know you have some thoughts on that, so I'm gonna let you let you get after it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was watching a little bit of it. I was doing a little war catching up. I had to watch some of the uh, grassroots independent uh event at asc and and adidas on friday so on sunday i was kind of tracking it a little bit and you know i i get that people want to you know it's been you know what 12 12 13 years since tiger has uh won the masters or whatnot even longer than that and and another major with 2008 first major since 2008 first masters since 2005 so the years are going by i mean 2005 is already 13, 14 years ago. It's a long time ago, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, just think of the guys who were in high school then, you know. It's just, they're already kind of wrapping up their pro careers. I was a junior in high school then. Yeah, you know, Amir Johnson was... I was a junior in high school the last time Tiger Woods won, won the Masters. That's crazy. Well, yeah, that's just, it's it, it's a testament to, uh, you know, his resiliency, I guess. But it's also, we got to talk about, like, the sport. Like you mentioned, yep. you know golf a little bit better than I do. me. Um it ain't boxing. It ain't football. No, like comeback. Yeah. So it's like or basketball yeah, for that matter, or bas- baseball. Yeah, it's baseball's a grind. One hundred sixty-two yeah. games. I mean, golf. 
let's be honest. Let's be completely honest. People care about golf maybe five to ten days of the year. You know, the Masters, people care about uh, the U.S. Open maybe. You British know. Open. Yeah. Yep. Like, so, PGA I mean, Championship you if you're of, really into it. Yeah, you can kind of gear your attention or your even, I think, your body to that. Obviously, you got to be oh, on yeah. top of your game. Yeah. But is this the greatest sports comeback ever? I would say no offhand. You know, what, Do I, you I, have anything in your mind right now that's better? Um, wow, that's a tough one. Um, coming back from a, a cancerous thing, you know, I've heard athletes coming back from okay. that. You know, I, I, one guy that sticks out is I think Eric Davis had, I don't know how serious colon cancer is, but the baseball player, yeah, he, he, he kind of was in trouble there in the mid nineties. Then he came back and played for the Orioles and he had like a 30 game hitting streak. And, you know, Eric Davis was a great young player in the mid eighties for the Reds. They won a world series. Then he kind of got some injuries and he got this colon cancer. Again, you hear stories like that. Um, you get, you know, Tiger obviously was, if he's 43 now, he was what? 33. Or in his late twenties when he was dominating. I mean, that's his yeah. prime. So uh, he was obviously as good as a golfer as we've ever seen at that time. So um, you know, if if other people are doing what he's did at, at a similar age or an older age, I don't see how it's the greatest comeback ever. When there's ten other guys that have won majors at the same age or older. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I don't okay. get that. I don't yeah. get that part. We're gonna. This is one of the very that's first just times. straight sports. Sure. Not. The other things that come with Tiger's yeah. comeback, yeah. So which we'll talk oh straight about. sports, okay. Yeah, you know what? So, I mean? Greatest sports comeback. Oh yeah, let's ever. let's take everything into account. I'm gonna disagree yeah. with you. I think it is yeah. okay. the the greatest sports comeback of all time. Um, you have a deeper you know history sure. like, because you're older than me. Sure. With sports and and those kind of comeback things, whether it's boxing or or whatnot. Um, I understand your point about yeah. golf being a sport where like like you said, Tom Watson was 59 when he finished second at the British Open. 59 years old and he's finishing second at a major, uh, one of the most yeah. difficult courses in the world. Yeah, that's that's that shows you that like golf isn't like you don't need high like high level athleticism to play golf. No. You don't. And not sustained, right? Sustained athleticism. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you can play like 60-year-olds can go out and play golf. Shoot pretty good. And like, shoot pretty what, good. What, what kind of six-year shoot? Just give people, maybe we have some crazy hoop heads that just play yeah. hoop and like, you know, team sports. What is uh, What can a six-year-old shoot? I mean, they could be a 10 handicap, which is like 10 over par, which is pretty good. I, I've never shot 10 over par. I don't play a whole lot. Wow. I play maybe, I mean, when I was playing a, a lot, I played, you know, maybe once, once or twice, or once or twice a month. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I was shooting in the, so say a par is 70, right? Like yeah. a, that's what even par 70. I was shooting like a, a high 80, low 90 at my very best yeah. at, at like peak age, like 20 years old. Yeah. Golf is a, is the most difficult sport to play. In my opinion, I played every sport, but like combination of hand-eye coordination, yeah. uh, meant the uh, mental aspect of it. Like sure. one shot just ruins your day. Sure, One I can shot see that. You have to be men ruin your day. mentally tough. I've played golf, and yeah, when I when I hit it with the with the um, iron, I guess you would call the uh, <laughs> the club, the the thick club. What's the you know which the driver, the driver, the driver, yeah, the one off the tee. Yes, the yeah. driver. I'm saying the iron, the driver. So when you hit it with the driver, obviously not the wood. Uh, you know, it's it's hard for me to keep it straight every single time. For sure, it's it. You have maybe it's hard for good players. I I don't know, but it is. You know, I want to drive it 180 yards, 200 yards straight. It's like this is freaking you difficult. get it like you, know what I mean? you get it once out of out of 30 shots if you just go out there and never play you can do it maybe wow. once out of out of 30 once out of 40 50 shots like you can hit a yeah. drive you're like damn that was a good drive 
And that that is difficult because when you league of basketball, I, I always tease my friends, and sometimes I tease the players we we both know on the circuit. I'm like, I can shoot a half court shot, start shooting them, and I'll start making two or three out of ten, like nothing. Right. You know, we're joking around. Hey, let's just have a little half court contest. Yeah. Because I practiced that when I was a lot, always just throwing up weird shots, and I got good at it. You know. Yeah. So we just laugh about that. But yeah, that's way more difficult than hitting a half court right, shot. Right. For me, like with, with basketball or baseball or yeah. or whatever, football, like yeah. Yeah. I can go out right now yeah. with basketball and hit yeah. shots, shot after shot after shot. shot. It never leaves. Okay. No, your shot and your form is always there. Never leaves. Your right? athleticism goes. Baseball. I can go out right now and throw probably a 75 mile per hour fastball. Yeah. And I haven't yeah. played baseball and I'll probably throw my shoulder out yeah. and need surgery, but I can, you know, I yeah, can, you can throw the ball. I hard. can throw the ball hard. Fairly hard. Football. Yeah. I can go throw a spiral. Yeah, I can always throw a spiral. Right, you know what I'm saying? It's golf. I can throw a 40-yard spiral anytime I want. With golf, if oh, you take yeah. if you take a year off of golf and don't play and you try and play again, you're you're, you're not going to be good at it, which is why with Tiger like, Woods yeah. with the with the back injury, with the the multiple knee surgeries, multiple back surgeries. Imagine back surgeries. Back surgery. And the most important things as a golfer, so Tiger's a right-handed golfer. The most important thing as a right-handed golfer is your left knee. And that's a, the, the knee that he, yeah, he like blew out multiple times. Your torque, your... Your torque, and yeah. then your lower back. Yeah. Like, you need to plant that foot, you need to torque so it's your back and your left knee for a right-handed planting, golfer. Yeah. Planting, that you need to generate the power, power and speed of your club head to hit the ball straight and far. Yeah. So for him to go through all that yeah. with the knee surgeries, back surgeries and come back at 43 years old after yeah. everyone had said Tiger Woods is done. He's never going to win another major yeah. to win the masters over, you know, a bunch of younger guys who have been playing well for, you know, the last seven or eight years. I mean, that's yeah. for me, that's, that was big time for him. Um, big time for the sport. Yeah. The sport needs Tiger. Interesting. Yeah, because I look at a guy, one other comeback I see, again, he's in a different realm, but it's an individual sport, so I like the comparison is Mike Tyson. Okay. I kind of compare Tyson to Tiger Woods because they're prodigies. Tyson was the heavyweight champ, the best fighter in the world at 20, won the world championship. Uh, again, he had a really difficult upbringing, as we all know. I don't, I don't want to get into Tyson too much. We'll but, be, yeah, we'll be here for yeah, hours. we'll be here for hours. <laughs> but he, he uh, went to jail, and then, uh, which is I think is a similar breakdown to what Tyson yeah, that, went through that, you know fair, the, the public divorce we didn't public, touch on that but yeah, yeah the, the public spat of tiger and his wife his ex-wife his, his multiple it, women he's yeah he was in bed know, with, with yeah. and that became an issue that became public so tyson spiraled down and people kind of predicted that even larry holmes who was the heavyweight champ before him that people a well-known heavyweight champ uh said you know this guy's gonna be in jail and uh unfortunately he was right so he came back, won the heavyweight title, but again, I look at it as he never won. I give Tiger more credit because he never won the major. The major to me would be beating Evander Holyfield. We got in there with Evander Holyfield and Tyson cracked. So Tiger cracked. Or yeah, whatever, that was when he bit his ear off. Bit his yeah. ear off, then he fought him again. You yeah. know, he beat him. Evander Holyfield beat him, and then the second time around, Tyson realized he couldn't beat Evander Holyfield, and he was getting older. He just lost it. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, he had a downward spiral in terms of his boxing. So Tiger was able to in essence, beat in Evander Holyfield, yeah, which is win a major. So now is he gonna be the greatest comeback? To me, is when he gets to eighteen. Let's, I don't know what you. And let's you know, touch on that. So you know, he hasn't doesn't have the most majors yeah, yet. That leads us into the next point. Yeah, greatest comeback greatest in sports golfer, history. Yeah. Uh, I think I think so. Based okay. on everything into account, yeah, I think so. Uh, best golfer of all time is Tiger Woods the best golfer of all time? Now he has fifteen 
major titles. Okay. Second most of all time to Jack Nicholas, who has 18. Yeah. Um, fifth Masters, second most of all time. Jack Nicholas has six. six. So stats wise, I'm gonna say okay. I'm gonna say you're gonna say Jack is the best of all time because stats wise, I'm gonna disagree, but I want you to say it on record. Yeah, I'm gonna say Jack's still the best golfer of all time. Why? He won the Masters at three years older. Now again, he didn't okay. have the trials and tribulations, but he shot a. <laughs> a it was a great 1986 Masters. Great. Five guys were in the lead in in the final round. He shoots a back nine thirty at forty six. Come on, it's <laughs> that's nasty. That is nasty for you, sure. You know, they give the bear credit. Yeah. I mean, why are we discounting them? You know, is it because we're in social media era? Because Tiger's be. different than the other golfers, whether he's his ethnicity wise or just that he has that name. He has the prodigy, the kid who's going to pass Jack. When people thought this at four or five years, it was incredible. Yeah, it's like saying a basketball player is going to beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's basically saying it's Mike scored. Williams is going to pass Kareem okay. Abdul-Jabbar and score. scoring record. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot yeah, of pressure. That is a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? So, and that kind of feeds into my point. <laughs> yeah. that Tiger Woods is the best golfer of all time, not only because yeah. he's he's entered a, he's entered a sport that's predominantly white yeah. as an African American and completely taken it over. Yeah, give him his, that credit. I didn't look, always look at it from that because I don't want to yeah. jump into the, the into that line. Aspect. Yeah, but, but it is in, in golf, especially yeah. golf is an elitist sport. Sure. You know, yeah. even the Masters, the history, looking down upon African-Americans, yeah. right, as not being able to play at the course or whatnot. Yeah, people didn't like it. People didn't, you know what I mean? So they frowned on it. They frowned upon it. And that's that's disgusting. Yeah. So Tiger was to come in, win that tournament five times as an African-American golfer is one of the reasons why he's the greatest. Another reason why he's the greatest is because just the sheer, like, dominance factor he's had over the sport for so long, granted, is, you know, the the, the disparity from the last, you know, 13 years where he hasn't been as good with the injuries and all that. Um, but before that, I mean, Tiger Woods, I mean, he steps on the court and everyone just kind of cowers. Yeah. They're scared of him. His yeah. Intimidation factor. And then he was driving the ball when he was healthy. He was driving the ball farther than everybody. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. He was, he was now the long drive is normal. Yeah. Guys are hitting 360 normal. Okay. But when, the, I'm not sure five years ago. I mean, yeah. When Tiger was first starting, he's crushing the ball down the, down the fairway, 310 yards. Like people were like, Oh shit, this is crazy. Now it's like the, the club, whether it's the, 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 you know, making of the clubs or the yeah. technology, it's, yeah. it's easy. It's a little bit better it's okay. for, for a pro, but, uh, that's interesting. Well, I'll give him that. If he wins 18 and he has a, basically a 12 or 13 year period where he doesn't win a major, then I, there's no way you're going to say he's not the greatest golf. If he gets for to sure. 18, cause he has a 13 year period where he did nothing. Yeah. And still, and now he's did back. enough yeah. to to become the greatest golfer of all time. That's yeah. crazy. That is it's crazy. almost like hitting, you know, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds, uh, you know, 755 home runs, 862, whatever Bonds has, 762, and taking seven years off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, That's seven it. or eight baseball seasons off is incredible. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, when you when you put it in that perspective, I'm seeing where you're going with Tiger. So and the last the last kudos point to him. Yeah, the last point on that, you know, for me would be he made people who don't like golf tune into golf. Correct. He, which is he I give is I see completely that. responsible for other people. for golf ratings and yeah. other people getting into golf. That wouldn't normally be in it. Whether maybe their socioeconomic status is not high, right. they don't right. have a hundred thousand dollars, their parents are not He's rich. Brought all the socioeconomic classes together to watch golf, oh. which is a, a sport where you think old white guys with short shorts, polos polos yeah. tucked in, drinking a drinking a margarita or something on the course, smoking a cigar. Alana. Yeah. Right, it's a rich part. it's a rich person's sport, and he's brought more people into it than anyone ever has, and he is solely responsible for for golf ratings. Sunday afternoon, uh, it's on CBS. 
you got multiple different ethnicities, multiple different uh, economic classes tuning in to Tiger Woods because he's that electric. And people, I guess, I mean, you know, he's made a lot of money now, but uh, (laughs) a lot of people kind of identify with him, I guess. Sure. In a sense. He's multiracial. Especially now because he's so humanized with the divorce and the injuries. And now he's kind of, you know. People like him more, I'm sure now. Yeah, I think so. He came off as very arrogant when he was younger. And then he went through his, his his issues with you know his personal issues or domestic issues and uh, yeah I can see he's more likable. Hopefully it's genuine. Hopefully people continue to like him. Yeah, I would like to see him try to when he gets to seventeen if he can get there to get that eighteenth. That, that's going to be huge. Right. I you mean, know. imagine the ratings. Yeah. For Tiger has say uh, this is uh, yeah. you know down the line, but say Tiger hypothetical Tiger yeah. has 18, 17 majors and he's it's the Masters in say two thousand and twenty one right. Two, and <laughs> can you imagine the ratings yeah. if Tiger Woods is chasing Jack 46, at the Masters and he'll be about and the he'll same forty six. Yeah, he'll be forty six. This is all setting up for a ridiculously uh, amazing run for golf. Run for golf for sure, yeah. and it could. You know, when, when Tiger leaves, hopefully, you know, someone else comes up and is, is of similar stature and does similar things that Tiger's yeah. done. And let's let's jump into something, hopefully, we that happens to basketball. Because right now, we're Ugh. kind of in murky waters, Ugh. Devin. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into that a little bit. We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, just, you know, tr- whether it's travel ball, the end of high school, there's so many events. We're, we're, there's What's your general take as you watch uh, games this week? And I saw a little bit less than you did. I was in the gym. Yeah. But uh, you saw a little bit more, and I'm not sure you're completely happy about that. You saw more than I do. What <laughs> I'm not happy see? about that at all. What did you see? Right, yeah. We, so we, you and I both went to Adidas yeah. uh, Momentous Sports Center on Friday. And then sure. uh, we both went to American Sports Center for the West Coast Elite, Jerry Freitas. And we did see a couple of good games. There. Sure, we saw, you know, and then I went back to Adidas on Sunday. Uh, Ronnie, I was in the gym. I counted for specifically for this yeah. purpose. I was in the gym for 26 hours. Wow. The last three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I saw a lot of basketball and I saw a lot of bad basketball. And I saw a lot of 2017 and 2018 high school graduates still playing travel basketball at the high school level, the 17 U level, the 17 U. So let's put that into perspective. These kids are 19, 20 years old, still playing quote unquote, 17 U basketball. And it's just, I'm looking, I'm, I'm, you know, take a, there's 30 games going on at various times. So you're trying to watch snippets of multiple games. Sure. And you look over and you're like, hey, is that? I tweeted this. I'm like, is that so-and-so? so-and-so? I'm not going to yeah. name names because that's um, that's not how I roll. But is that so-and-so? Didn't he graduate from blank high school in yeah. 2017 or 2018? Like, it's crazy to me. Like, move on. Yeah. Move it's on. A it's little... time to go to junior college. There's yeah. a reason why you're still available as a two-year post-grad. Yeah. There's a reason why. It's either your academics are shitty or you have holes in your game. There's yeah. a place where you can take care of both of those things and still play high-level basketball, and that's junior college. Yeah, I, I kind of take it is into a societal issue, too. You know, we're not... Because things are so expensive, it's hard to get an apartment. It's Cars are expensive. Housing is expensive. I think, you know, it's, it's a problem of uh, making our kids and our youth kind of grow up. You know, I, I, I see that as a problem. You know, it kind of gives them this false sense of still security. Let's let me just go hang out with my travel coach who's okay. not gonna turn me down. And and you know, we'll fill these teams. These these gyms need to be filled. You know, the vent vent directors don't care. They love that the two eighteens are there. There's so many teams. Yeah, they there's have so many teams. Team. They have another team. So to make money off. To make money off. So it 
it kind of uh, works in a whole system in a cycle, and it's it is a little ugly. I don't particularly care for it. I, I didn't really particularly care for uh, most of what I saw this weekend. Saw a couple good games. I wanted, you know, the Why Not 16s. Yeah, they're a good team, uh, man. The Truth 16s. Yep. We saw a couple other 16s that was really worth watching. We got a good evaluations out of it. Well, and Adidas, I, yeah. Adidas was good because you get to see teams from out of state. Yeah. Whether well, it's ML20 with, yeah. with Marjan Bochamp yeah. from Washington or Pacific Northwest area with kids from Oregon and all that. Yeah. Um, even seeing, you know, local Compton Magic kids at the at the yeah. 17 16 and 15 level uh dream vision is good to yeah. see, it's always good to see them there's there's plenty of good players but so back, i mean we talked a little bit yeah. about i don't mean to cut you off but no, we, you're good we brought in you know our buddy maddie kovac and we talked a little bit about junior college ball you know the sam cassells the sean marion's it can happen so yeah. it, it's a great step you can learn how to pay your bills balance a checking account have a little bit of freedom uh, especially with the good coach, let's say like the coach at Fullerton, Perry Webster, Perry, yeah. who's going to make you accountable. You got to show up for, you know, off-season workouts, that type of thing. You got to show it's up for great. practice. It's you got to show up to class. Like you can't, yeah, you can't. Nobody's going to baby you. You're learning it's life great, skills. Yeah, it's a great thing. So I, I think some of you, you know, two seventeens and eighteens out there, you know, if you're milling around in prep school, want to do another year of prep, like really consider your taking, uh, you know, the steps to find a good junior college where they care. And where they like it, or even a, if you have an offer and it's legitimate, could really consider it. Especially two nineteens, I think are in this boat as well. Yeah, you got something that's good. D two, D two, D three, and I don't care what it what yeah, level. It's really good. You yeah, know, uh, you're gonna find some good ball if you really go watch. Um, I think we mentioned it. You might have touched on it briefly. We may we may have not. Uh, down in Point Loma, you know, yeah, the, Dalton Homas. Dalton Homas. He's gonna declare for the draft. He's got an agent. D two player. He's a D two player. So. Uh, that's incredible. There's so there's, there's multiple ways that yeah. you can get to your goal. Pro ball. To pro yeah. ball, whether it's yeah. overseas, whether it's NBA. Like, yeah. Think about it. The NBA has, what, like 13 roster spots for per team on, on yeah. average, say, right? Yeah. 13 yeah. to 14 roster spots, yeah. and there's 30 teams. Yeah. Like, Not everybody is an NBA player, just in the same light as not everybody is a Division One player. Like, It's great to have a dream of playing Division One basketball, but if you're 2017 or 2018 still playing – at the 17U level of a high school travel ball tournament, yeah. I think it's time to find a new, a new way to, to to reach that goal. Yeah. Go to a community college, learn some life skills, work on your game, start your education. Yeah, because hanging around with other 17 year olds or even 16 year olds that have moved up because they're talented, and you're 19 or 20, does nothing for your for your life. Yeah, it doesn't help you're your hanging, maturity. Not it those kids. It doesn't help your development. Bit. Yeah. But even then, yeah, it doesn't help your development completely. So I, I'm with you on that, Devin. Um, it's just, you know, we can keep going on and on. Yeah. We, we, we said the main things we want to say about it. You know, grow up, take some responsibility, and, you know, move on with your life. And there is uh, somewhere to go out that end of that rainbow where you, it's leading somewhere. You know, you you play at a good junior college. Man, we it'll have open a lot. up opportunities. Yeah, it'll open up. We have a lot of good junior colleges locally. Yeah. Whether Correct. it's Saddleback with Coach Andy Ground, yeah. Yeah. whether it's like Perry Webster it's a, at yeah. Fullerton, whether it's yeah. Coach Todd Dixon at San Diego Canyon. Even if you want to move on and go further and like kind of be in a dorm situation or live away, you know, Fresno, Fresno City, City. Is very good. City College of San Francisco has excellent players year in and year out. Those are those are those are yeah. examples of like those are schools where you need to be d1 you have to, be re- you have to legitimately be good at basketball yes like you have to be a division one prospect Ty- or a high player. d2 player yeah yeah because perry webster just won the uh, california state championship as a junior college it's yeah. his fourth year at 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 uh, fullerton, fullerton college yeah 
And he's already winning state championships. Yeah, he's got, you know, uh, the kid from Colony going to Northern Colorado. Yeah. Lance Coleman's going to Northridge. I'm sorry. Yeah, Northridge. Northridge. It's well, you got to be able to play. Um, so another this... coach a couple of years ago, Andy Ground, yeah. he he had T.J. Shorts, who's who was a player of the year in the Big West Conference at UC Davis. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, so that's 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 great options. Keep your options open. So we're gonna move on from that. Uh, we got a special guest coming on in the paint this episode twenty. Um, Derek Taylor, high school coach who's coached at Taft High and Woodland Hills and St. John Bosco's coached a myriad of pro players and guys who've really stood out in the NCAA tournament. That's why we wanted to bring him on. He's coached, um, you know, players like who have excelled at the NCAA final four level. And, um, it just caught our eye because Virginia won the, the NCAA championship. Right. We had to bring Derek on for sure. Derek, we, we were just coach. We were just talking about, uh, you know, what we saw this weekend in 2017 and 2018 players still playing, at the at the club slash AAU level as a 17U player, what, what we're like, you guys, it's time to move on, go to a junior college, get your life, st- get your life started. What what are your thoughts on that when, when you hear that? Oh, when you when you talking about like unsigned kids keep hanging around? Yeah, like 2017 and 2018 graduates unsigned. Oh right. no, it's time to move on. I mean, it's not going to happen right now. I mean, you know, sometimes the reality has to come in that you haven't caught somebody's attention yet, and so just move on and just. You know, you know, keep prolonging it as long as you can. Go junior college, keep playing, and then you may catch somebody's attention. But I think it's time for them to move on. Yeah, they're too old to be on the circuit at that point. Yeah, Derek, um, thank you again for coming on. Um, you know, it's it's we went, me and Devin went to this event, and there's a lot of teams right now, as as, as you know, um, a lot of events. What's different? a little different than when you started coaching. Let, tell us when you started coaching at the high school level and what do you see that's different? Uh, I started back way back. I started back in 1987. Okay. And, um, well, the difference is, several differences. AAU, there was always a little travel ball. There was travel ball around when I was playing as a kid. Sure. Um, uh, in high school in the early 80s. But it's, it's just had, it's exploded now. It, it became such a money-making machine that, you know, there's events everywhere, it's, uh, you know, down people paying just to do showcases, and there's nobody there attending it in terms of, you know, scouts or... Difference makers, yeah. Services, yeah. It's just a money-making machine is so big, and it's, but the, the participation has exploded, yeah. and... And, and which is making kids now, basketball players, uh, specialists, like... They won't play any other sports. Mm-hmm. My son, for example, you know, he, he won't play any other sport other than basketball. So he, he doesn't doesn't really know how to throw a football. Don't really know how to play baseball too well. You know, we grew up playing seasonal sports, and we got pretty good at everything. But now this thing has gotten so big that everybody concentrates on one thing, basketball only. And it's massive. And it's all year round. You don't get a break from it. Yeah, Ronnie and I know that you know all too well. Whether it's covering high school, then we go immediately into spring leagues and summer, and you know it's never ending. There's fall leagues and fall tournaments. But coach, yeah, we want to kind of highlight you know the positives of this. Sometimes there are guys who play their way into you know higher level scholarships or earn you know good reputations by by playing the sport uh, of basketball and playing so much. And a guy who you're well aware of, Kihei Clark. He was, uh, you know, originally committed to UC Davis, played with the Oakland Soldiers in the EYBL and kind of blew up. And he was at Virginia and won a national championship coach. Um, You've coached a lot of guards who have played professionally, whether it's football with Steve Smith or, 
you know, NBA with Jordan Farmar, Spencer Dinwiddie, Tyler Dorsey. Um, what traits did all those guys have um, as high school players that, you know, kind of made you know that they were going to be successful as college players and in the NBA? Well, they all have one thing in common. It's one common thread that sits right there is that they all were fiercely driven and, and super competitive. It's present. It sits right in front of your face. They stand out or they stick out, excuse me, like a sore thumb when it comes to that level of competitiveness and drive. Um, you know, Tyler Dorsey was just, you know, Tyler Dorsey, Daniel Hamilton, they were, you know, Daniel, you have to turn him down. Tyler had a quiet um, drive in him. Uh, always wanted to be great. And then, you know, you had Jordan Farmar. He was, uh, you know, he was just an alpha dog. All of them were. But Tyler, Tyler I mean, uh, Jordan was an alpha dog when he walked in the room. He just felt he was better than anyone. He had to win everything. He won, he won the sprints. He won distance running. He, his teams always won all the little games, the scrimmages in practice. Well, Kihei was the same. Spencer Dinwiddie was the same. Larry Drew was the same. I could give all of those guys lesser talented players far and they would always find a way to win. With Daniel Hamilton, I would literally put Tyler Dorsey and 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 Isaac Hamilton on the same team, along with some of the better players, and Daniel Hamilton will will his team to victory. So they, it's a common thread with all those guys. Um, they just had a, a drive and a desire, they, no other, you know. And and that's how they, they get to where they they get to with this pure, you know, talent and just a determination and a, and a willful, you know, uh, unwillingness to quit and give an inch. Yeah, that makes sense, Coach. Um, that is a great common denominator to have as a player. Um, Dinwiddie is one of the guys who kind of seems like he's proven himself at every level. And obviously you had players that came in with various either reputation or skill levels. Like I sometimes think of like Kevin Johnson or Landon Drew. They came in really highly regarded. Or maybe some other guys didn't and they built up to that, whether that's Kihei or, you know, some of these other guys, maybe that Spencer fits into that mold. Um, you know, what was the scouting report on, 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 on Spencer coming out of high school and um, compared to some of the guys that maybe kind of came into high school with a lot of fanfare, you know? Yeah, well, Spencer, Spencer came in, uh, he didn't, I, I got Spencer by accident. Spencer was not highly regarded as a middle schooler. I thought he was very good. He's, first of all, he's my neighbor, but he still wasn't going to go to Taft. He he wanted to go to a couple of the private schools, and um, they just didn't they didn't think he was good enough. Sure. And so he, the two private schools he wanted to attend, uh, they rejected him. The basketball coaches they wanted other guys, and so he fell into my lap. Very small, you know. So he was a small guy. He was only five nine, about one hundred eight hundred and ten pounds. So many people didn't see what I saw. Uh, but I thought it was really good because he was heady and he was competitive and he was, and he was extremely, um, he's not cocky, but if you know Spencer well, Spencer was extremely confident and he never, it, it never wavered. And then he just started to grow. When he started to grow, his physical started to catch up to his mental. He always saw the game like a coach. He was super heady. He was real smart. Things that you can't teach. He understood the game and he could see the game. And it was just a matter of physical maturity at that point. And his parents are, are tall people. So I, I knew that he would not stay 5'9". And, and then he exploded. 
But yeah, and so he, he uh, but he was hungry. He felt overlooked. Then you do. You know, I have had some guys come in with big names that you know they didn't pan out. But you know, you got to keep in mind some of those guys. What do they do? They mature early. And when they mature early, you know, they come early, then they don't may not have anything left afterward. Now the, the rest of the crowd catches up to them. I really have a guy come late, like a Spencer, like Jordan Farmer, or like a Kihei. One thing I had, one thing all in common, I had to call around and beg travel teams to take those kids. That's, How about that one? That's crazy. That's crazy. And, you know, Kihei's on the other end of the spectrum as far as comparing him to Spencer, as Kihei, you know, didn't have the growth as far as physical goes, but mentally, he al- Kihei always had it mentally, had the game mentally. Um, why do you think some local college programs, I mean, you're telling us that even club programs wouldn't, wouldn't take him. Why, why wouldn't some local, um, you know, high majors or Pac-12s, why weren't they considering recruiting Kihei Clark? One word that always came out, always, was uh, size. Yeah. We're concerned about his size. That was it. These are from assistant coaches mainly, too. These, those are the, yeah. Those guys. Do you think the they're worried about the evaluators? I guess they miss a lot. They, do, you, do you think they're mostly was, worried about the defensive end, Derek? Is that what they? Yeah, they, yeah, they thought it was. Yeah, mostly defensively. How about that one? They <laughs> thought his lack of size defensively will be an issue, uh, and they just this always came back to well, he's just small. If you know, if he was six foot, everyone in the Pac-12 would be all over him. That's what numerous guys said. My response was, if a man does what he does all the time in terms of Kihei, how he plays and how productive he is, if he is productive against any level, everywhere he goes, he's productive against every level of competition, regardless of how high it's, it's supposed to be, and he does the same thing and produces at the same thing at the same level all the time, he's pretty doggone good, you guys, because he's kind of playing his game against anyone at any level. That's a determining factor if a kid can play or not. If you can continue advancing up the ladder and you can still play your game, he, he can play a little bit. And uh, I couldn't get him. I couldn't get none of the local schools sold on him. But I will tell you this. The biggest mission of the local schools was pretty he was lukewarm and was kind of, you know, recruiting him a little bit was UCLA. UCLA came in a lot. An awful lot. Um, and they kept kind of kept Kihei around a little bit. But uh, they weren't, Steve wasn't sure. Steve Offer wasn't sure uh, about Kihei. And, but these assistant coaches were. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and clearly Kihei's, you know, shown everybody that he's more than capable of um, defending defending at a high level uh, in the national championship yeah. game. Um, but, you know, we're in a new age of, high school basketball, travel basketball, where, you know, there's lots of cameras in the gym. There's lots of, you know, videographers, you know, social media is different. Um, what is something you see with a new age of high school players that you'd like to see changed, maybe tweaked I- anything on that, you know, way? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's thing you can do. I don't think it's bad. Yeah. Do, do I think they're kind of over publicized? Probably so. Okay. Um, but I don't think it's a bad thing. So I don't. I I think it's kind of fun for the kids, you know, because we kind of look at it at the end of the day. They all, everybody, they all grow up, and it's all over. And you know what? Heck, they have a lot of film when they were younger, and they can show to their kids, you know, because it's, it, that's the only thing I can see. That's the positive I see out of it. They're just building their memories. There's just more people now out there with cameras where they can uh they can capture it. I wish it was a little bit like that when I was coming up. All I have is a uh, you know black and white still photos. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't think it's a bad thing. Okay. 
Coach, that makes a lot of sense, um, you know, in terms of, you know, you can't look at it all bad because that's what I tell people. Yeah. Well, they say, oh, that kid gets, you know, it ruined them. Well, we make we also make highlights of the players who have made it. Right. So, exactly. I mean, you can't. You can't. It's not all bad. It, it's not all bad. Yeah. I don't that, think so. I don't think it's all bad at all. I think I think another positive spin on it. I think the players are better today than they were when I played. Okay. Because they do play all they all they do play all year round. So players are better. Um, Golly, I tell you what, how many people now can shoot the three ball? Everybody. Really shoot the ball now. Exactly. Yeah. People can yeah. really shoot it. So it, it is a lot of positives. The only negatives I see is I is that you have to be careful with these guys or you know whoever these organizations and and they just look at this as a pure money grab. Right. And yeah. then they put on these bad events, and then um, you got a lot of single parent mothers who are just not aware of. Not, you know, it's not sophisticated in terms of managing this this piece here with the AAU basketball world, and then those guys are really ripping off. You know, some of those guys are really doing pretty well financially by ripping off. You know, mothers or, or parents who who are not aware of this situation fully. That's the only bad things I see. But overall, I think it's, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, publicity they get to play a lot. Um, you know, stand of trouble. I'll stand out of trouble, exactly. And it really comes down to the kid doesn't get, I mean, does a kid get a little, you know, he, he gets a little sense of entitlement, sure. But that's for the parents and people to to kind of, you know, bring that bring that piece back together. And if not, don't worry. One thing we all know, both of you guys know as well as I do, you're going to go, this game plays itself out. It just comes to a point when your train pull into the station. Because it comes to a point where you're going to have to put it on the court as you keep advancing up levels. And so I don't care how much film somebody gives you. I don't care how much somebody write about you. At some point, you're going to have to continue to keep advancing as a player or boom, it's over. Yep, yep. And most kids, they're, 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 as I say, most kids, the train pulls into the station around the age of 18. They don't even realize that. Their basketball careers are very short. After 18 years old, majority of those kids are intramurals in colleges or they're in park and rec with old men with Ben Gay and goggles <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> knee pads. Uh, D- Derek, you've been in a pressure cooker, so to say. Now, obviously, tapped. You guys are competing. You gotta, you gotta match Fairfax and Westchester every year. At at Bosco, you've been in a pressure cooker. So, do you blame a college coach again? Like you said, he's trying to feed his family. For if hey, if I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss on a guy six eight. I'm not gonna miss on Kihei Clark. Do you do you see that angle, or do you think that no, that's kind of bullshit? They should be going after the best player. What, what's your take there from their perspective? Well, I, I can I can see that angle. Yeah. See, but I can see that angle, yeah. and you and you don't want to miss. But I, a miss is a miss regardless. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but I can see the angle on that. Yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah. But you know, it's like any other business, uh, Ronnie. As a basketball player or as a coach, the really good ones and the kind of the, the better talent, because there's talent levels in that assistant coaching world and et cetera, and talent evaluators. The great ones are the really good ones. They see people like Kehay Clark. They'll see the Spencer Dinwiddie's. The ones who are not that talented. They miss on them. Yeah. So no, I don't. I don't blame them. I can understand because it's a tough world. Because it, uh, the life of an assistant coach, you don't know when you're going to be. If things go crazy or don't go right, then you're out. And then if you have a young family, you know you bounce from city to city, from job to job. You don't know what you're gonna get. That's a tough job. So I understand the level of um, of you know concern over 
you know, do I do I miss on the kid or not? But I say, hey, man, you in that game 100%. Go all out just and, and really hone your craft and really start to understand talent. And just don't look at physical. Yeah. Start looking at the entire game because we can see some things. Like one thing I very rarely ever hear a coach talk about is lateral movement. They never talk about, it. oh, he can run, jump, he's athletic. Now, I look at a kid and say, man, he can't move side to side. Right. Can't move side to side. Guess what he can't do? He can't guard nobody. Yeah. Can't guard nobody. He gets the old man, the whole man, whoever the coach is, he gets you fired at some point. You bring too many guys, can't move side to side. They never talk about little things like that. You watch the whole, I just watch the whole game, see what he can and what he cannot do, and determine if it, you know, if it works. Coach, Ryan talked about you being in a pressure cooker, so I'm going to put you on a hot seat right now before we let you go. Do you have Do you have an all time favorite player you've ever coached? Oh, Jordan Farmer. Why? First of all, he was my first star, but he was yeah. just he was everything I ever looked for. Um, he he, he could welcome the first of all, he was fiercely competitive. He just wanted to win. It didn't matter any situation. Never believed he could lose. Never believed that we could we would lose with him on the floor. Tried harder than everybody else all the time. Um, you know, he bought it every day in practice. Didn't, didn't have to worry about anything. He was a great leader. Made everybody else fall in line. Made my life easy. And, you know, then when you needed 40, or you may need 50 on occasions, he would go get it for you. Love it. Coach, thanks again for your time and your knowledge. We, we appreciate everything you brought to the show. Hopefully we can have you back on soon. Okay, thank you. That was Derek Taylor, uh, coach at Taft High School in, in the Valley, Woodland Hills. Um, was that St. John Bosco in the Trinity League? Yeah, won a state title there. Won with a state title. Daniel and Tyler. Yep, that was T two over uh, the kid from Forest and Jordan Jordan Ford. Jordan Ford. We had a lot of. He's respect at St. Mary's. For. Yeah, yeah. yeah Saint, Jordan Ford is the kind of guy like a Kia Clark. Sure. Like, yeah. And Derek was like Ronnie. These guys really good. Yeah. Like we're watching them on film and we're like, holy. You know, he was he, he, was, he was one really of the top good. he was one of the top five scorers in the West Coast Conference this year. Jordan Ford was. Wow, and that's good for him. And I I could see that. And you know he is a little bitter bigger than Kihei. Yeah, he's about um, you know, six foot, six one. Yeah, you know, but he had that same kind of demeanor. He yeah. was really good. He played for the soldiers for a while and played, I think, for a smaller time. I, I kind of forget who who that was prior, but um it's very interesting. Uh yeah, you know, he mentioned Jordan Farm real quick without hesitation. You know, Jordan uh led him to his first title, city title, uh two thousand four. He was a McDonald's All American. Went to UCLA. You know, went to UCLA, played a couple final fours. Uh very interesting. You know, we didn't talk much about DeAndre Daniels, who was kind of you know, a player who was back and forth, you know, he 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 was uh you know kind of in between that group with Dinwiddie and 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 um the Turkish Mamba, Chris Yanku. Chris Yanku, yeah. You know, they had a lot of good the players Turkish there, Mamba. so it was easy to but easy to be like, well, it's, it's you know, he was a top hundred player or whatever, but I mean he had back to back double doubles in the final four. Yeah, he went to Yukon. And they won the they won national won, title. Won the national title over right. a team that supposedly had every good pro, you know, I think Julius Randle was on that team. Yeah, like in the Kentucky team. team. Yeah, and, you know, so give credit where credit is due to I some mean, of Derek, these kids. Derek and, Taylor, I don't think Derek Taylor gets enough credit for yeah. developing these these guys. I yeah. mean, he has so many guys, whether it's yeah. playing pro overseas or, or, you know, playing at high-level colleges or playing in the NBA. I mean, Derek yeah. Taylor has a has a nice little yeah. roster of, of players he's coached who play pro. Yeah, over the last 12 to 14 years. Uh, Derek's not dumb either. He... he he knows talent. He, I need talent Derek here. does know talent. I need talent here. You know what I mean? He's like, right, we're not going to beat Westchester and Fairfax without talent. You know? so, but again, he's brought some guys in that were really highly regarded. 
who didn't, know, who didn't pan out. Yeah, and some guys, like you said, Spencer, you know, I didn't realize Spencer was that small baby because I don't remember him because why would I pay attention? Right. I was probably sure. looking at Landon, Drew, or, you know, whoever else they had. You know, Kevin Johnson was, he's, you know, 6'10". He was, you know, well-known. He went to Loyola? Uh, no, where did he go? I think he moved around. But, okay. uh, you know, he came in like, wow, this guy's, you know, a big difference maker. Of course, he's 6'9", 6'10". And right. at that time, our buddy Jim Jones was... Helping, uh, you know, Derek with skills training. So he would ripping tell me crossovers. about, yeah, ripping crowd, tell me about guys <laughs> they had. And I'm telling you, we weren't always talking about Spencer. We weren't always talking about, you know, he had, uh, in his early, he had Anthony January who came over from Compton a little bit. Um, so very interesting take there. Uh, you know, Kia Clark still needs to work on his game. Uh, obviously well, still course. needs to get better. Everyone know, needs to work on their game. All the time. So all it's time. not like it's a finished, finished product. You know, because I think, I don't know if we mentioned it last week when we talked about the Final Four. I think uh, Bennett did a great job by pulling him out because he wasn't giving that much offensively at the end of that game. It just, a, and it, it worked. You know, yeah. when they needed him, he was in the game. When they didn't need him, he pulled him out. Right. You know, and that I think that was obviously great coaching. So, yeah, I um, think, I think all this talk kind of, yeah, kind of brings to mind some advice we can give to high level prospects, whether it's middle schoolers or, you know, high schoolers who have, you know, star rankings or, um, you know, a lot of hype, there's always someone younger than you or, or in your same grade, who's yeah. not as good, not as highly regarded. They're coming for you. Yeah. They're they're They like, they see you getting tweets or write-ups or highlight videos or star rankings, all that shit. They don't care. They're, they are coming for your star ranking and at some point, like Derek said, the train's the train is coming. Yeah. And you're either gonna get on or you're gonna get kicked off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, he's had it's exactly there's it. only so many spots. Yeah, he's had some guys that really, like you said, I, I point to Justin Hawkins who played at UNLV and, and he came in highly regarded. He was part of that group of Demetrius Walker and Rome Draper and Roberto Nelson. They were well known junior high kids who were chronicled in a book and chronicled in Sports Illustrated, a Play of the Hearts Out book. Very interesting information there. Very interesting look. You know, um, they were trying to uh, somehow. Obviously, Justin ended up at Taft. Demetrius started at Fontana. They were all trying to go to Fontana. I remember when that came out. You know, it was Aaron Moore. Aaron Moore started at Dominguez with Russell Otis. Roberto stayed home. He went to Santa Barbara High. But they were all trying to go to Fontana. And it's very interesting. And we talk about this middle school talent. We see some of it. Obviously, we're watching 223s now. We yeah. watch we watch middle school events a little bit, enough to get a take of who's the... Sometimes. I want to start watch eighth graders. I wanna, yeah, watch I want to watch eighth graders. Yeah, it's coming the incoming, in. right. I don't want to watch as the 2017s and 18s yeah. or fifth yeah. graders. Or, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's sick to me. But yeah. the incoming crop of eighth graders, I, I like, like to see them. Yeah. So my point is, in California history... Over the last 30 years, it's interesting that the groups that have come in together as highly regarded prospects have never stayed, never stayed together. Right. So whether it's that Fontana group that was supposed to go, you know, Demetrius and all that went their separate ways. Um, even the Sierra Canyon group didn't stay together. Yeah. One of them left. Yeah. Uh, was it Remy that left for a little while? One yeah, of them there left. Were, yeah, there's something behind that. But yeah, yeah, I think he left and then came yeah. back. Yeah. They, you know, they didn't stay together. Um very interesting. So very interesting. There's been some groups in the past that uh, interesting. Ed O'Bannon was part of a group like that. Um, Slam and Jam had this big time eighth grade group, and they were all going to go to Verbum Day. And Ed was one of the, Ed wasn't the best player of the group. It was a guy named Alan Hunter. He was like this big eighth grade player, and Ed became the better, the best player of that group. And one of them actually went to Carson to play football. So mm. it's very interesting how those eighth graders. 
you know, they come together, obviously, you know, uh, and then just to give people an idea, they almost always have to go their own separate way. And it's the same thing we're saying about when you get to graduate high school, you got to find your path. So sometimes the path is not a great middle team, school team. They're not going to be a great high school team together. Yeah, yeah. You know, kudos to the Sierra Canyon guys. They did, you know, project at the high school level. Yeah, you know, some additions, to, yeah. Yeah, Cody went to UCLA. Um, I, I like the guy who played for Ivy League, the two guard. I just his, He played with Remy on the side. He's just uh, slipping my mind right now. Great guy. Um, he's an Ivy Leaguer. Ivy you know? Leaguer? Feinberg? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it wasn't Feinberg. Uh, I, I I'll think of his name okay. right before. We yeah, when the when show. You, when you before the show, let us know yeah. the name because I'm curious. Yeah, I'm trying to think too, and I can't I can't come up with anybody. But uh, damn, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, you Cody or I Riley, usually were, yeah. were able to. Yeah, think. Cody Riley was obviously man. He was Remy huge. Went to, Remy went to Arizona State. Yeah, um, Cassius is kind of. He's in the in the next. In the they, next, they had yeah. another guard. Uh, Derek Thornton was part of that group. Yeah, he's at SC and Deverell Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah. yeah, he's at UC Santa Barbara. He started this year, and he, you know he played well. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, the middle school thing, like kids try and you know rally together and go create a high school super team. It doesn't usually work out. No, and that can be said at multiple levels, college and the NBA. And we're going to go to the NBA where a, a quote unquote super team didn't work out. It's a super team of executives and a coach and a superstar player. The Lakers debacle, Ronnie. This all played out in public. Um, when Magic Johnson decided to call an impromptu press conference without apparently without telling anybody whether it was Jeannie Buss or Rob Palenka or Luke Walton and Magic just went on for God it's it, it dragged on for 45 minutes to an hour it seemed like a couple hours and it seemed just, long yeah he just took question after question after question and he quit he said he didn't like being I guess the the kind of all-encompassing thing was he didn't like being the bad guy he didn't yeah. like trading guys he didn't like firing coaches. firing coaches or firing people or cutting guys he wanted to be mad he wanted to tweet no he his wanted to tweet his tweets are always horrible i think so they, they don't have any like any you know meat on them it's no. just like the golden state warriors won a playoff Congrats game they're really great good job yeah everyone knows that magic so yeah maybe the tweeting wasn't the best reason to quit because he's not very good at it. But he's, what he is, <laughs> he what he is good, good at. at. I he, love Magic Johnson. Yeah, he's he, not very good at he it. He is very good at working in the community. Yeah. You know, giving back to people who, who are in need and kind of being a, a ambassador, for, ambassador for the league. And, and ambassador for LA, and really. Ambassador for LA. That's what, he's, that's what he's best at and that's what yeah. he's back to doing. And he's back in his comfort so zone. So is there any, do you have any questions as to the reasons why Magic left? Um, the Lakers or I, yeah, my comments and question would be, you know, the tough part was coming up the end of the season. They didn't make the playoffs. They failed. I mean, oh, this season, yeah, this brought, in, brought in LeBron signed yeah. a bunch of, oh, people thought they were going to win 55 to 65 games. <sighs> you, really? Yeah. I mean, I thought they were going to win. I thought they were going to be like a 48? seven or eight seed and win like 45 games. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe the expectations were too high. Like we mentioned before on, on various pods before this one that, you know, LeBron's an aging star. He's, I don't think he's the player he was in 2010. Certainly not. Like, like I said, you basketball know. is a sport where you lose athleticism real quick. Yeah. So, you know, um, they had injuries. But that that's, you know, okay. We knew that. So, uh, like I said, I think Magic is uh, two things. One, he's one of the few guys that can get away with it and not be just totally <laughs> done out of the league. Yeah, 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 out yeah. of, you know, the world. He's got as big a credibility in terms of, his name and and what he's accomplished, so he'll be okay. Yeah. Um. You know, the guy is one of the golden childs of the city. Really. I mean, even though he's from, you know, 
Lansing, uh, plated Lansing, and he's from um, Michigan. Where is he from? Know, yeah, I'm just it's it's you know East Lansing, where you know Magic's from from that uh area, Everett High School in Lansing, Michigan, I believe. But uh, you know that he came here and it just came at the right time. It all worked, and this is one of the few things that weren't didn't work. Now they got to remember too, Magic. People don't know this about him. Yes, he has the five titles. People in L.A. were not happy with him in his early days with the Lakers. Um, even requested a trade like Kobe Bryant. This happened. They won the championship his rookie year. You know, obviously the 42-15-7. Everybody right. knows that. Started as a center. Yeah, right. everybody knows that. Kareem was injured. Magic led him. You know, one of the greatest things that's happened in L.A. sports. The Lakers became the Lakers after that. Okay. You know, season ticket that- prices went to, from $15 to like, Five hundred overnight. Yeah, after 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 Wilt and Jerry West in the in the yeah. early seventies, there was a lull for the Lakers. There yeah, was a, there was they, a five year traded, gap where they traded for Kareem and it didn't really work out the way they thought. Yeah, he was a great player in the mid seventies, but um, yeah, the Lakers were the favorites in the Western Conference in nineteen seventy seven. In the in Bill Walton and the Blazers beat them and then beat the seventy sixers for the title. So they were kind of low. Jerry West coached for a couple years. Yeah. I think Bill Sharman coached. Yeah. And then they brought it, you know, it was supposed to be Jack McKinney. Okay. And uh, something happened in the in the preseason where he got in a crazy bike accident somewhere in Palos Verdes or in Pacific Palisades and cracked his head. Oh, damn. So then uh, Westhead, 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 yeah. Westhead came in. Magic and, Magic and Westhead kind of butted heads, right? Butted heads after first season. So people were like, Westhead is a good, a good coach. Get rid of this young punk because Magic didn't have a good second year. The Lakers were not that good. He had a little bit of injury. But man, it was like magic. All he can do was turn it around and start playing. And good. he and, and he, he turned did. around quickly. Yeah. And they won the title in '82 with Riley. You know, won obviously in '85 and then '87, '88, and all the rest is history. Right. So, uh, you know, to take some step back, yeah, Magic has had his moments where you know people called him Tragic Johnson. He missed those free throws against the Celtics. It hasn't always been gravy, you know, gravy for him. So he'll he'll survive. Right, and this and, this and, obviously isn't gravy. No, and it's this, not gravy for the Lakers. Um, I think that's the bigger problem. He kind of left to me. He left them hanging, hang, yeah. high and dry. You know, Jeannie Buss is still a, a young executive. Whether you know she, that's her father's team, and she you know she's she been around it, it for a while, but, but still, she's not deep in the basketball operations part. No, probably no, no, probably not her forte. Um, I think no. for me, you know, if if that was the if you know he was didn't want to be the bad guy was the reason why he left. That's, that's fine, but just do it in a, in a different way. Sure. Like I'm do it with you there by the, by the books, like yeah. go to genie, go, you know, call, you know, all the executives together, the team, whatever, tell them you're going to resign. Then have the press conference. Yeah. Why you are and what you can do. Right. Or what give them your, your take on what should be next. Correct. And then, then have the press conference, answer the questions, go on mm-hmm. your merry way and go back to tweeting your horrible tweets. Yeah. Um, so let's get to the next layer of this. Yeah. Luke Walton fired. This, you know, we saw this coming down the pike for how long now? Um, you know, I, I guess he, did he underachieve as head coach or did he not have, you know, a, a roster or the health or, uh, you know, a consistent base to win? I, I don't I think don't, he had a consistent think, base to win. I don't think he underachieved too much, Devin. I, again, we've talked about Julius Randle. They made another trade for the center. Ivica Zubak, who's, who's really good. Who's helped you in another team. And the funny thing is that like the three games before they traded him, he was playing great. It was a <laughs> double, double every night. <laughs> he was catching and finishing. He was dunking on people. He's back yeah. to the basket moves. He has great hands, what great you, feet. What are you doing? He was getting better as a rebounder. And then you trade him for Mike Muscala, who yeah. comes in and does absolutely nothing. Well, it's funny because we talk about Tiger Woods and we talk about uh, some of the bigger personalities in sports. 
you know, radio and TV and, and personalities in general and, and some of their takes on Tiger Woods. He should retire. He's never coming back. Well, people also had some bad takes on that Lakers and the, the Nets trade with D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Oh, the Nets are, that's why they're the Nets. The right. Nets have traded it. They traded for Pierce and Garnett. They're the worst franchise. They should be contracted. D'Lo is oh, D'Lo's trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, he's having a great year. It's worked out in the Nets in the playoffs. Yeah, good. I mean, good for him. He's. Yeah. I, I guess you know. You know, we're not in the inside day day yeah. in day out with the Lakers. You know, sure, of course. But not. May, maybe he was immature. He was coming, immature coming out as a nineteen and twenty year old playing he for was. the Lakers. Sure, he had that whole. And he's in L.A. He had that whole snitching thing with Nick yeah. Young. Um, he's in LA, so there's lots of distractions. Yeah, but where's Nick Young now? I yeah, mean, exactly. That's the thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> get over that. Yeah, who cares know, about Nick Young, teach, right? Let's 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 right. Let's teach him, bring him along. You know, hey, he's a good player. He was a good player. He was, yeah. and now he's he was a he's really he's a good. conference all star. Yeah. The Nets are in the playoffs. They won their first playoff game, um, and so, they've overcome that Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett deal. They, have. That they said people are like, this is the worst, one of the worst trades in NBA history. Right. Well, well, they, the, well the Lakers didn't have that, or people didn't say that, but they're not nowhere near where this yeah, team is. Right. So this is a bad stretch for the Lakers. I believe they have. That's an understatement. Yeah, they have the what the worst record of the last five or six years. Cumulative, combined, yep. cumulative. That's bad. That's really bad for, for a franchise, franchise like that. worth you know three billion dollars with the history they have. The supposed people want to play here. It's in the greatest market, right? Et cetera, et cetera. LeBron's here now. Yeah, LeBron's here now. We'll, but who we'll, wants to play with LeBron? Who yeah. who wants to coach LeBron? That's a that's what I see. Is now we move on to the next layer. They've, who? they've undermined Luke Walton because again, he's a younger coach. He's almost he's a little bit older than LeBron. He's about five years older, but still, they're yeah. in the same threshold. They kind of came in the league at the same yeah, time. Yeah, they did because LeBron came out of high school and Luke played four, yeah. or three or four years of college. Yeah, he played at Arizona. So, you know that that. That's tough, you know. Um, again, I look at it, the first mistake they did. I've always looked at it as they're going to fire Luke Walton. So what are you waiting for? Right. Fired him at the beginning of the season or right away before the playoff stretch. Okay. And then maybe you make one last push. Again, you don't know about the entries, but you're making one last push to, to get in the playoffs and, and make the season worthwhile. Yeah, maybe sometimes. They, ta- they, they, they gave up mentally a long time ago on the yeah. season. And yeah. I, that's what I don't like as a as I'm looking at it from a fan's point of view, from a hardworking a blue collar fans point of view. I'm supporting the Lakers. I've been supporting the Lakers, you know, and I'm not speaking for me. I'm speaking for others. That's crap. This feels cool. this feels shafted for sure because yeah, yeah they we, gave up on this season, right? I think in, maybe in mid December, still early in the season, yeah. they were the fourth yeah. best team in the West at some yeah. point. Yeah. Then LeBron right. got hurt. Yeah. They started, you know, losing. You know, they were back to like the 500 range where they've yeah. always been. Sure. Then Lonzo got hurt. Yeah. Um, that's another issue. That's yeah. another issue. Then the whole thing just went to shit. And now yeah. let's talk about the Lonzo issue. So a story yeah. came out. Um, ESPN, you know, multiple everyone's reporting it, obviously, because that's the the all, world we're in now. Yeah, they they all follow up on each other. Right. Yeah. Apparently, Lonzo Ball was scheduled to have an ankle surgery um, that was going to be performed by an unapproved doctor, unapproved doctor by the team. Right, a, t- a doctor that's outside the team, <laughs> and you're supposed to in, in the NBA at that level, you're supposed to get any doctor who's going to perform uh, a surgery or an operation, you have to get it approved by the team. Right, you have yeah. to go through that channel. They didn't. And it was about to happen. And apparently Genie Bus sent a private plane to get Lonzo and bring his ass back home. Wow. Um, if he went through with that, uh, Ronnie, his his contract could have been voided by the Lakers. I just think that's where, stupid. Where is this franchise going? If you have one of your key investments, you know. Second overall pick. Yeah. You know, traded Russell you, for him. A guy you really invested in and 
two months ago, three months ago, he's listening to a guy now who he's publicly disassociated yeah, with. Yeah, Alan and, was the guy who yeah, Alan or yeah, was telling him to maybe, or suggesting the yeah, surgery. Yeah, go do that. That's how did that happen? If you're the Lakers franchise, where we are here, that just shows you that there's no leadership. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Somebody taking reins. Okay, families, you guys need to step back. Uh, you know, unless you're his agent, step back. You know, where is what's going on here? Where this is supposed to be a model franchise, and it it hasn't been. Just and even Magic, I don't care if he's one of the greatest players of all time. What he did was almost a joke, right? I mean, it's just, a, it's if it wasn't Magic Johnson, it would be a joke to most people. Sure, it's he, it's he complete, got away with it because he's Magic. He's who he is. But it's complete dysfunction. Yeah, it's complete dysfunction. So it's, where do you go from here, Devin? I I mean, so we start with the we get start the with the coach, right? I mean, <laughs> get the coach. You, you gotta right? start the coach. Start yeah. with the coach. Yeah. Start now. Here we are. So Genie Bus is not going anywhere. Rob Plinka apparently isn't going anywhere. I'm not sure his status, acumen on. Status, I'm not yeah. sure of his acumen on on basketball, like sure. basketball moves, like yeah. You know, he has to who, prove who that. to bring in and create a yeah. team. He's still got to prove that clearly. Because um, Magic is not hasn't proven to be great in that uh, regard. He wasn't a good coach either, right? Magic nope. Johnson. So um, a lot of times, great players aren't great coaches or or, or evaluators of talent, right? Correct. So they got to number one. They got to get a coach. They yeah. got to get a guy. They got to get guys who are basketball people who have proven that they can build a team from nothing. Because right now the team is nothing. Yeah, it's LeBron James and a bunch of young guys. Young guys who are either hurt all the time. Or one guy Kuzma, who's proven himself as a as a legitimate scorer in the league, yeah. um, but they have a bunch of veterans on one year deals that are expire that are going going to expire, who were horrible signs. <laughs> they didn't. They did not. They did not fit. They did not fit the team. Yeah, like they don't have do a think? team yet. They, they, they just have, have a they guys. have a collection of players who just they're like, All right, let's roll the ball out. Let's see what happens. Like yeah. you sign Michael Beasley and and Lance yeah. Stevenson and Rajon Rondo. It's like what the f- what the I mean, hell? Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say the F word because you don't need like, to. We don't need to, but everyone yeah. knows like what, what are, are you doing? thinking? What are we doing? You have here? Lonzo Ball who's proven not to be a good shooter. Brandon Ingram who's a ball stopper who dribbles 100 times, he can shoot it, but he needs 55 dribbles before he yeah. shoots it. And what? LeBron is LeBron's pounds, ball dominant. LeBron pounds it too. So, so what, what kind we, of team is that? Yeah. What were you thinking? How how did you how did you come to these agreements with these guys and then look at it on paper and be like, yeah, this is a this playoff is gonna team. This is going to work. Yeah. We're going to win what? 52 games. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from from there's that. No, there's no chance. So the coaching search, the early, the three early names that we're hearing now are Tyron Lou. Forgive me for my laughter, but come on, man. Yeah. Uh, that's just, that's that's a guy who, you know, LeBron's familiar with. Uh, yeah. Coached the Cavs, coached LeBron with the Cavs. They won a title, but, you know, he got fired from the Cavs. Um, pretty fast. Pretty fast. After <laughs> it's just, LeBron. Right? I mean, honestly, he played for the Lakers. He's famous for Iverson stepping over him in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> wow. And yeah, it's just... I like the next two. I kind of like the next two. Monty Williams, I think that's a that's a good one. I think he's a good basketball mind. He's been a longtime NBA assistant. He was with the Pelicans for a while, and now he's with... Uh, it's blanking with me. Who is he with? The Ma- Sixers. Yeah, Monty Williams is... I When I see those three names, the third name Juwan is Howard. Howard. Yeah. I look at Monty Williams and maybe give this guy a chance. He's yeah. been through a lot. Um, he lost his significant other in a like tragic fashion. He's highly respected. Not that Tyrone Lewis not, because he's a you know pro. He played. Monty Williams is a good player. Played at Notre Dame, but uh, I, I like that because he brings a different perspective, a fresh breath of air. Regardless of whether he is the right choice or not, it's something different. You know, with Tyrone Lewis, it's going to be people are going to say, "Well, LeBron's running this team." Correct. And 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 that's where I'm at with Tyron Lue. It's like that's a LeBron pick. Yeah, that's that's it's, if LeBron can control him. It's just going to be another layer to for people or the media or fans to, to be like to criticize to, 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 to yeah. Monty Williams that. has no ties to the organization. 
not right, right? now. Yeah, so not, right. or not strong with like that. Right. You know, obviously he's well respected, but no, yeah, he doesn't. You know, he doesn't know LeBron since he was eighteen or nothing like that. I think he, I think he might have been an assistant on an Olympic team that LeBron was on. And sure, that, that's great. Good. You have some some kind of rapport with him at least. Yeah. But again, he's not like a hand, he's not going to be deemed a hand picked guy by. Yeah. LeBron James. Yeah, we need to... Juwan Howard would it be kind of like that because he played with with LeBron in Miami, right? Yeah, and he's and he's a much older guy. I, I like that. You know, he's okay. I think he's a no nonsense guy. He's a Chicago guy. He's been through the trenches. He, you know, he had he he got a lot of fanfare, obviously with the Fat Five, but he didn't have this big time NBA career. He's worked up. He was a solid NBA player, yeah, but he, he wasn't like a yeah. perennial All Star. No, yeah, and and I like that. I want a, a more of a lunch pail type guy. So. Uh, the Lakers, I think, need that. We kind of talked about UCLA needing that with with Mick Cronin. Uh, yeah, a little bit more of a, a sack lunch. Yeah, and bring your hard hat, hard hat. And I think Monty Williams and sack Juan, lunch. How many kids eat sack lunches anymore? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's why. Yeah, like yeah. Monty Williams and Juwan Howard kind of bring that, especially Juwan. I think they would both be should get good long looks. I wouldn't be. I'd be pretty happy with the, either one. Um, I would like to see what Monty Williams could do with. With this, with this team, because a lot of people out here don't know him, you know, uh, know him as a player, know him as a person. I think most LA fans know who Juwan Howard is, yeah. just by association. Yeah, yeah. But Monty Williams might be the guy. Who'd be like, I, hey, we're we're trying to build. We, we're starting from scratch. This yeah. team's starting from nothing. I don't right. care if they got LeBron. They have nowhere. They're going nowhere right now. They 100 going nowhere. They're going nowhere. So because you who's staying? To your best. Who's, who's not? You know, who do we invest in long term? Do we resign Lonzo? Do we resign Ingram? What? You know, long term, what's the the goal here? So yeah, they got a lot of decisions they're going to make in a year or two, and and again in a year or two, they're not winning the title next year. Don't look like so LeBron, <laughs> unless unless like they uh, some three sixty unless yeah. they somehow I mean three one eighty complete one eighty yeah, yeah. three sixty they don't want three sixty right yeah yeah they want a one eighty unless they get a three sixty dunk at a Zion Williamson or something yeah. like that. But yeah. if they if they can like I don't know if Rob Plink is some you know GM genius and can pull off you know a Jerry West type of thing where he. They sign Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. They get Kyrie Irving to come over. Clay Thompson. Or yeah. Clay Thompson comes down, and then, you know, they flip their young assets for good, uh, good, you know, veteran, you know, leadership guys off the bench, like a Rick Fox or Robert Ory, who are so good for the Lakers uh, in their championship, championship runs. runs. Yeah, you know. they need some guys like that. For sure, they need guys like that. But the current, you know, uh, executives or, you know, management haven't really proven that they have a basketball acumen. No. You've got to get a GM or a president of basketball operations who has proven that they're able to create a team from scratch, a winning team from scratch, a good team from scratch, a team that is cohesive and knows how to play the game of basketball. Correct. And that, Ronnie, if you have, unless you have anything else, man, I think we're, we're at an hour right now. What do you think? I think, um, how, what a question I want to ask you, Devin, yeah. is if time goes by fast, like we said, Derek Taylor, Coach Jordan Farmer, two thousand four. That's you know fifteen years ago. And Jordan Farmer is not playing basketball; he's a coach, right? Correct. Yeah. So, uh, my point is, how many years can the Lakers be bad, where young NBA players or even their fans can be like, I don't care about Magic Johnson and Shaq and Kobe. Like this team stinks. I want to be a Clipper fan, or I want to play for the Clippers. And it's how, already, how many? That's already are, happening. You think that's already happening? When, but like, where's it going to be really? How many more years can they go of this where it's just like, dude, you guys don't even have a good franchise Ooh, anymore? Or are, yeah. are, are they already at that point in your in your mind? When when's the last time they won a title? Uh, we gotta look this up. Uh, Two thousand and ten. Two thousand and ten. Yeah, when they beat the Celtics. Okay, and they so beat uh, the Orlando the year before in two thousand. Right. So kids kids yeah. born in two thousand ten are, are nine years old. Born. They don't remember that. 
Okay. So then not like the current crop of yeah. fifth graders yeah. are they don't they only Barely know Lakers know, yeah. as being bad. Bad. Okay. So, so that crop a for, couple more years yeah. of this and people are gonna be like a couple more years. Then it's gonna be kinda like I don't care about it. Yeah, yeah. They're, not, they're not good. I'm a fan of KD. I'm a fan of Zion Williamson. I'm a fan right. of the Knicks. Right. Uh, you know, if I the like, Knicks are able to pull that together, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like I wherever. Let's say Zion's on the Knicks, and oh, then man. KD goes there, and Kyrie goes there. Yeah, they got a good team. I'm a yeah. Knicks fan. You know, so you think that could happen? Pretty in, fast. In, in in three years, dude. Wow. I mean, really, two to three years. Yeah. And the Lakers will be, and they're not going to be like a nothing. Ex- they're not going to be extinct. Yeah. But again, at, how, at what point can you stop looking at the past and stop looking at Kobe? Stop talking about Kobe. Yeah. I, I mean, I grew yeah. up on Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I love sure. Kobe Bryant, but I'm I'm 31 years old. Yeah, you're. And I'm now I'm sitting here like yes. I've been a Laker fan my whole life, yeah. and I'm just like, well, I'm gonna be a fan, obviously, uh, covering basketball yeah. and for me too. a living. Covering basketball for a living kind of takes you out of being a fan, but correct. You want them to do well, obviously, of course. But these kids nowadays, like the current, like incoming freshmen, freshmen, sophomores, they mostly know the Lakers as a as an underachieving franchise. Wow. They don't. They don't identify with the history of the Lakers, and I don't think because they, they're young. Yeah, and I don't think they even identify LeBron as being a great Laker. Yeah, no, no, of course not. I mean, they you know. they they identify LeBron as being a great player because yeah. he, he is know he, he is, is one of the best players ever to live. Yeah, but again, not as a Laker though. Not as a Laker, and yeah. I think I think that brings up another point about LeBron. His legacy with the Lakers is kind of going to shape how their franchise is viewed to the younger generation. Yeah, because I think to our generation, your generation and the older one, me and me and the Derek Taylor generation, forever want to call it, is like we appreciated what what the Lakers did for Kobe, but they should have started that rebuilding process the day after his Achilles was torn, and they didn't. So I think they're kind of at fault themselves. Right, they let it keep going, going, going. They were bad. They've they, been bad. They, they, let, they, they, they hobbled be- him out there. Yeah, they let him go out there and hobble around and shoot as many shots, shots as he as wanted. He wanted. Right, I agree with you. They should have you know, started rebuilding. Yeah, yeah. And, and it start, didn't work. Yeah. It didn't, they were but, bad. Hey, that 60-point game on his last game. Oh, yeah. man, I was hyped on that. Yeah, I mean. I was jumping around the living moment, room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the only Kobe. moment we have for the last four or five years. Yeah, it was a great moment, but that's not. Like, you're missing the playoffs, and yeah. your your aging star is out yeah. there on one leg, yeah. Yeah. dropping 60 in the final game. I mean, that was that's great. It's but great theatrics, it's, but it's not. It's not. There's no substance to it, right? Yeah. There's no. There's no. Uh, uh, roots. There's no nothing to stand on. Like Kobe scored no. 16 in his final game, and they now have no you missed right now. And how many you missed the playoffs for six straight years? That's that's a great way to put it, Devin. They have no substance right now. Yeah, they're the Lakers because we know them as the Lakers. But but again, we know them as the Lakers. Yeah, the younger generation they don't care about history. Not too much. They Not care. As much they about care about. Now, they care about who's on the. Media. They care about who's on the baseline with a camera in their hand. Yeah, that's what they care about. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, let's close it out a little bit, Devin. Um, we we still got a few more. High school events from the 2019 oh, season. Ronnie. Yeah, we got... I, we the Ball's Life All-American game, that's great. We love it. Yeah. We got a lot of events, man. Yeah, we got a lot of things to cover. We got... This week, I'll be going to Vegas to to take a look at the Jordan brand, which is a lot of the players that were in the McDonald's game. A little different, little different maybe, you know, five or six guys that are different. That's usually about the key. A lot of, you know, Nike-centric centered players. Um, we just saw the Hoop Summit while we were watching the games. Um... Apps. Yeah, you you yeah. saw it. Yeah. Ronnie and Ronnie on the baseline watching the hoop summit on his computer. Yeah, better than the games I was watching. Oh, it's better. Yeah, no doubt. Better so, than the game that was going on uh, on the court in front of you. Yeah. So you know the world team uh, kind of smacked around uh, the USA team. It's like you know ten or twelve of the best players. It's United States versus the rest of the world. 
And it's it, it was a great. It's been a great event over the years. It started in 1995. I think the guy who really thrusted himself through that game, the one guy we look at is Dirk Nowitzki in 1998. He had a terrific game. He was actually, most people thought he was headed to Cal. Yeah, he was being recruited by Cal. Cal and maybe a few other schools, WCC, West Coast schools, uh-huh. and you know he had a great game. And yeah, where, like, else, where else do white Europeans go? They go to the <laughs> WCC. <laughs> That's awesome, you know, like Steve Nash. and right, they, go, they go to the WCC. That was awesome, you know, so it's been a great showcase, and lately, I think the USA's kind of looked at it like we're just putting together a group of the 10 guys that are really highly ranked, and then they got blown out Two years ago, R.J. Barrett just sliced through them. Yeah. So this year they had they try to build more of a team. So they had a few guys that were maybe a little bit less. Um, maybe, maybe the Lakers high, should call these guys. Yeah. They had, you know, <laughs> they had a little less highly recruited guys. So they had Justin Moore on the bench. They had Isaac Okoro from McKeechern. Uh, Wendell Moore. They didn't just have the 10 best players in the country. Right. Wendell so, Moore isn't – he's not yeah. as good as, as – rankings or whatever give him credit for he's a really good basketball player he's going to duke yeah well obviously he's good because he's going to duke so yeah but yeah you know you know what i mean so the the guys they they had they brought in vernon Carey, but again he didn't really play at mcdonald's and he didn't play much here so the u.s usa team took an early lead uh cole anthony was playing good um and then the world team uh i'm sorry let me take that back the world team they started out good with nico with nico and who, who, had, is, who is from yeah. the United States? They, they, for the he was from the Italy, and they had Precious, who was playing on the world team. Who Precious Achua plays at Montverde. Uh, Josh Green, who played at, for you know National Champ IMG Academy. So they started off really thro- pedal to the metal. They took a big lead. And then the USA team started storming back. And give some credit to Isaac Okoro. He was playing good defense. And he did some good job there at the end. Um, the U.S. USA team pulled out the win, 93-87. Uh, Nico, as you said, had a great game. He kind of uh, didn't play as good as it did in McDonald's, but I think this is more of a team-oriented game and more, more a little more meaning. Yeah, yeah So I think he played, he scored 28 Nico, points. Nico thrives in, a, in the atmosphere of yeah. when real basketball is being played. Correct. And this was more of a real basketball environment, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, and, and Cole Anthony finished with 25 for the U.S., you know, he's always ball dominant, had a great game. Maybe didn't shoot as well as, as as Nico did. Nico created his 28 points on, on 12 shots where Cole created his on 18. And um, USA both, stormed back. Both both great players in, yeah. their, in their own respective ways. And he, I got, I, you know, James Wiseman had 12 points and eight rebounds, and he had six blocks. I think, again, we mentioned it. That guy is pretty good. I mean, I know he gets a, a rap for... For uh, being, not being a low motor yeah, guy, yeah, being a low motor guy, but you know he 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 did what he had to do when it mattered. He blocked some, altered plenty of the team, uh, you know the world team shots, and the USA was able to pull out a victory. So maybe that does work. Maybe going forward, that's what they're going to do: bring in some high level guys with some team guys that have been part of USA basketball, and because they were blown out uh, into eighteen, yeah, the, the USA team was just not interested. So this team, give them credit. I think we sometimes this 219 group gets knocked, Evan. But um, they got some competitive guys. They maybe sometimes they're like, they're not the greatest group we've seen from totality, you know, from 1 through 30. But uh, but here's the thing. A lot of times the classes that are so hyped end yeah. up being not as good as they originally thought. So maybe yeah. this 2019 class is uh, going to, you know, outperform its expectations. Yeah, that, that, uh, that could happen. And uh, we're still going to see a few more of them. Like we said, we got... Jordan Brand coming up on the 20th. 
Iverson Classic. Yeah, Iverson the following six. Yeah, the following yeah. weekend. Then the Balls Life game on May fourth. So you guys check out BallsLife.com. We're gonna be releasing those the official rosters. We've been releasing the players on social media, on Instagram story and Instagram. So keep looking for that, and obviously we'll bring it to you what what we see happens from from the inside. Yeah, guys. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to go to BallsLife.com to get your tickets to the Balls Life All-American Games. It's going to be in Long Beach in May, Saturday, May 4th. At Long Beach Convention Long Beach Center. Con- yep. BallsLifeAllAmerican.com. You can get your tickets and BallsLife.com for more information. Yeah, and there's going to be a, a hoop con there too, a little uh, lifestyle kind of thing before the game. So make sure you get tickets to that as well. Come in early. Yeah, yeah. get there early and you know ha- have some fun um, checking out all the, all the vendors that are going to be there. Um, but Ronnie, that's episode twenty, man. This this has this been fun so far. So let's let's keep it rolling. Uh, please subscribe and and uh, you know listen on SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, all that good stuff. Um, episode twenty of the In the Paint Show, presented by Ball is Life, is in the books. Ronnie and Devin, see you next time.